Bellamy, Bellamy meets that kid and he's like, I have imprinted on you <laughs> and you are mine now. You are my favorite person from now on. I am your biggest fan. Yeah. You are a murder child that speaks to me. Hello and welcome to our The 100 Podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Brittany Ray, and I'm a 28-year-old writer and TV critic from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass moms and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting journalism and talking about my cat. And the next tattoo that I would get is a geometric maple leaf, like from the Canada 150 logo, or um, cascading gems from my existing tattoo, like on the drag queen Sasha Velour. But for the record, I had it first, so. Like, that idea was mine first, not Sasha's. Okay. Yeah. Just so we're clear. And my name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 23-year-old actor and filmmaker from Alberta, Canada. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at The 100 Script on Twitter, and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. The next tattoo that I would get is the spade symbol to represent ace pride or a pair of headphones like the AF logo, like the Aficionados logo. Oh, my God. That would be really cool. I know. Uh, today we have words to say about episode 503 of the 100 Sleeping Giants. You know, I was disappointed that it wasn't a bunch of sleeping hangers. Mm, that would have been good. <laughs> and just like envision just like a glitch in the Matrix where they all just wake up and go, you're a wizard, Harry. And it's just like all of them overlapping each other. Can you Can you see this in your mind? Yes. Yeah, that's what I want. That's beautiful. You're a wizard. You're you're a wizard, Harry. You're a wizard, Harry. You're a wizard. It's like, um, what do you think? Yes, but, exactly, yeah. exactly. From Simply yes. Dialogical. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Why do you think it's called Sleeping Giants, Britannia? Because it's a sleeping um army. Army? Robin E. Jeffrey. Yeah. Yeah, they're like they're like giants of old, like legends of old coming back and rising once again. Mm-hmm. Toot or boot? Oh, total toot. Yeah. I would say like it's on the cusp of shoot. Yeah. Because I think my main thing about the first two episodes so far are like, they're so far away from what we've gotten before in previous seasons that it didn't even really feel like it was the same show that I was watching. But this episode really felt like we were back to basics, like back to what what we know. And that felt good. It's like pure survival mixed with like really fun mythology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love it. Yeah. You right. You right. And then them like giving us like just uh, in passing words where, where you're like, what does that mean? Right? Like, like just dropping little breadcrumbs and yeah, you're like, exactly. oh my God. That's totally what it felt like. Yeah. I was watching it and I was like, okay, this feels like the hardcore sci-fi that I love. Yeah. So I split this up into... The sky and the ground. But then I also have a piece called The End. So basically okay. we're going to like get to just about the end and then we're going to... Does that make sense? Because I feel sure. like... Because they converge at the end and so we should talk about that last. Yeah. Okay. Um, would you like to talk about the sky or the ground first? The sky, please. Okay. So they are flying to the big ship. It is a called... A big ship. Allegius 4. And... The, like, motto is powering a better tomorrow, which is basically Monsters, Inc. Oh, 
my god, it is. Can we start making Allegis is just Monsters, Inc. jokes now? Which oh can go god, in with... What? <laughs> with Octavia loving Jenna Marbles, Kane not knowing anyone's name, and <laughs> um, Echo being a really bad makeup artist. I'm actually, like, so amused right now because it absolutely is Monsters, Inc. We scare because we care. We do terrible things for a better tomorrow. I'm so happy right now. Oh. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. So, yeah, they were probably mining asteroids and maybe searching for planets and stuff, but that was, like, over 100 years ago. And I'm like, his name is Monty, and he's really smart. He... That had me shook that he figured it out so quickly. He remembers anecdotes. He sure does. And so they're like, they probably have some fuel on board. It looks like one of their engines is destroyed, but it looks like they should have gravity. So no space sex. Is that like, I'm just confused by this. And then we have Marper and I'm just like, yeah, stop reminding me. I get it. Whatever. Asexual Monty, question mark, question mark, question mark. I get it. Shut the heck up about it. But like... Did, so they had gravity on the Ark. Did they have like a zero gravity room that everyone got to do that in? Or is it just like her assuming that that's great, but they never got to do it and maybe they were thinking about doing it on this ship? I mean, I'm sure at some point, like, someone figured out zero G on the Ark and like, it was like the forbidden couple thing to do. Right. All right, whatever. <clears throat> so they're like, yeah, no one's home because if they were, they would totally attack us. And so Amori has to do some stuff and she's like, it's just like the simulator. We've practiced this a whole bunch. And then we have some like snark from Amori and John. And I think it's interesting that she's still the only one who calls him John. I was just thinking that like, even though they don't have a good relationship, he's still John. She hasn't relegated him back to last name status. Yeah. Literally the entire episode, she continued, like, she's still the only person who calls him John. Hmm. Because she, I think, like, the reason why she's so mad is because she cares so much. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But then she messes up, and it's okay, though, because they get in there, and it's fine, but Amori's really upset. I feel so bad for her. Like, six years is a short amount of time to conquer space flight, and she did it, and then, like, she basically froze up. Yeah. Yeah. I feel so bad. Like, she trained so hard. Mm-hmm. That was her moment. And so they all get in there. There's an alarm going off. I, honestly, I think that it's scarier when the alarm's going off. Like, I would rather they be on a silent ship than have an alarm going off. Like, I think that makes it scarier just because it's like you can't hear anything. Like, you can't hear if anyone's coming towards you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I was, as soon as <laughs> she turned off the alarm, I was like, thank you. And Bellamy was like, thank you. And I was like, we're on the same page. <laughs> um, and so, so Raven's like, actually, Amori, you stay here um, and check the ship and everything. Yo, that kind of sucked. It was, it did. Like, what the heck? Uh, to me, even though I know Raven didn't mean anything by it, it kind of felt like a punishment. Also, my thing is just like, why, you guys think you have a small amount of time? Like, can't you all go exploring and then come back and fix the ship? Like, yeah. what's this time crunch? Exactly. They didn't know that they were on one at the time. Mm-hmm. That's a like, really good point. they didn't point. even get to go around, really. They only hung out in that one spot. So, Amori definitely got benched then, you think? Yeah, and that's kind of sad. No, it's definitely sad, because I think Raven believes in her, and she just, like, needed a minute to be like, okay... 
she messed up, but she's going to be fine kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what to think. I had troubles with Amori this episode. I feel a little bit better after talking to our friend Nicole, who is at Nicole Anel, and our friend Amy, who is at Aim Nick Rob, about it. Um, Why did you have trouble with Amori? Like, I get that her and uh, up till now, it's just kind of been like little snarky things mm-hmm. um, between them. And then the part where Bellamy says Raven has to stay behind and she says, make it John. That's the part that bothered me a lot. Oh, because she was so willing to sacrifice him? Yeah, because Bellamy hadn't yet explained that there was a way to come down yet. Mm-hmm. At that point, everyone thought, okay, so Raven just stays up here forever. Mm-hmm. And she was like, we'll make it this g- garbage can. And that's my problem is it's just like, if you guys were together for years, who knows how long, you guys loved each other. You can't wish death upon someone that you really loved and cared about. I think, okay, one, totally validate this because it's very fair. Mm-hmm. But I think it comes from a place of because she loved him so much, she kind of can say these things flippantly and not really mean it. Do you know what I mean? Like when you tell yeah. someone you love them, like, oh my God, I'm going to kill you. Or be like, someone has to do this test and you're like, well, make her do it. It's very much like, make John do the dishes. Like, make John do this. Make John do that. Like, I, you know, that kind of thing. Like, I mean, my problem, I, I think that the difference is that, you know, you do that out of love and you say like, oh, make this person do it. And that's that's when you're still friends and still together. Mm-hmm. But but you can tell from his face when she says that, that she doesn't really seem to be kidding. And, and Nicole and Amy kind of talked to me about it and I feel a little bit better. But um, here, one second, let me just find... I mean, I definitely want to hear their takes because, like, to me, I didn't take it very seriously. But now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, that was it, – it was like a moment I think that was meant to kind of incite a chuckle but actually had a lot of very um, sinister undertones. Yeah. Okay. So Nicole said, I mean, I got stabbed as hard as Murphy did at that, but they didn't actually know it was to die. My admittedly generous Amori Stan read was she was just panicking that they weren't taking Raven. And I feel like Louisa played it as something she blurted out in her fear and hurt feelings more than a legit argument to sacrifice him. Why are we leaving without the person we need the most when the person we need the least could do something for once? Which hurtful thing to say and something she never would have said before the time jump. And there's a glimmer of problematic Slytherin-ness in like the fact she obviously didn't even consider she should stay or she could stay. But again, it wasn't definitely a suicide mission. Emory Defense Squad with the disclaimer that I totally get why other people read it differently and found it unsettling. I like all of that. And Amy also got back to me and she said, that's how I read it too. Like after her slip up with the rocket earlier, she knew if Raven stayed, she would be doing it all with no backup. Also, let's not give Murphy a total pass here as he was being pretty dickish to Emory when she was trying to land the first time. Yeah, she really needed belief in her and he was not going to give her that. Nicole, uh commented and said him being such a dick to her in that first landing is one of the harder things for me to wrap my head around it's almost like they just wanted to show her attitude toward him wasn't completely one-sided and inexplicable while he's mostly been shooting her a lot of sad looks and amy said i'm guessing it goes back to the crux of their breakup him feeling useless and she was thriving with her work with raven and now at the moment all that work comes to fruition his bruised ego attempt to thwart it it's him lashing out because of a core hurt with their breakup they so smart well Okay, so I have, like, two things here. One is Nicole said that she doesn't think Amori would have done that pre-time jump. And I would argue, actually, that she would. I think the Amori that she was before she met John would sacrifice anyone 
to save herself. Mm -hmm. So I think that's part of very much like Amori's thing is like, you know, she's come a long way, of course, but you know, the very core of her is like survival instinct. Right. Um, And then the second part is the thing that I found that I liked about this episode that implied about Murphy is that Murphy's dislike of everything that Amori was doing is petty as hell. Mm -hmm. You know, like, He's mad that she's advancing as a person and she's not staying the person that he sort of romanticized her to be, which is like the wild grounder who, you know, is as damaged as he is and isn't interested in fixing herself. And all of a sudden she's, you know, developing and becoming a more well-rounded person and learning new things. And she's becoming more like Sky Crew who he hates. So she's becoming something that he resents and less of his sort of like manic pixie dream girl. And that makes him angry. And then instead of like thinking of her as a person who's growing, he's thinking of her as becoming something that he doesn't like. I never saw it like that. I mean, that's, that's how I see it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I have Murphy goggles on. Like, it's not a secret that Murphy is my favorite character. So everything he does, I sort of, I... I feel like I not necessarily relate, but like I always um what's the what's the word? You can empathize or Yeah, I just empathize with him more. So like I never really saw it as him being like Amori or not who I thought you used to be. I guess my main thought about that was just kind of unlike Monty, who was like, I'm gonna keep, you know, moving forward and and trying to make a better life here and we're gonna live here forever. Murphy's always thinking about the future, thinking about when they're gonna go back and thinking that it could happen at any time. And so what's the point of being, of getting settled in? Yeah. I don't but know. But I would, I, I would, I would say that was true, except that Amori was working on learning how to get them back down to the ground with Raven. Yeah. So um, maybe it's like somewhere in the middle where you can definitely tell that he resents that she is like taking on some sky crew qualities because why else would he say grounders don't say copy that? Cause he hates sky crew. Exactly. So if she is a little bit more like Sky Crew than he's comfortable with, there's a level of resentment there. Yeah. Okay. But I, I don't think I ever really saw it as him being like, you're not my manic pixie dream girl anymore. I think he was always willing to grow with her. Mm-hmm. I don't know. No, I don't mean to sound uncharitable by saying that Murphy viewed her as a manic pixie dream girl. Because I don't think he did. That was a very simplistic explanation. It was basically like me trying to say... She was not like other girls. Yeah. And now to him, she's becoming like the girls that he grew up with or as around and doesn't like. Gotcha. And I think that's so uncharitable because how could you not like Raven? <laughs> I think he does like Raven. I think he does too. I think he secretly has a huge affection for Raven because Raven is as snarky and funny as he is. Yeah, I love them as a duo. Yeah, I want them like... You can see they've had some development, but I'm really excited to see what they're going to be like stuck together. Mm-hmm. And and I think that, I mean, obviously, you know, we're jumping all over the place here, but I do like that, I guess, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is that I think that his decision to stay back was not completely, oh, Amori doesn't want me here, whatever, I'll just stay here. It was also like, this is one of the only people I actually like, and you're we're losing her. Yeah. Guess I'll hang out with this one instead. I think there was a little bit of like personal mo- motivation there. It was like, crap, Raven can't be by herself. That's not fair. Yeah, because, you know, 
and we'll get to this, but this whole thing about not dying alone, we saw that at the beginning of season two. Mm-hmm. With with the exact same characters talking about how they didn't want to die alone. And so they've gone through this before, and and he's thinking, I bet he relates to Raven in some ways. And so he's thinking, if that was me, I wouldn't want to die alone. And when I was dying and Raven was dying, we weren't alone. We stayed together even though we didn't like each other. And so I won't let her do that again. And even though he basically disabled her, she still chose to protect him. And and she forgave him. And I cried. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it's like, you know, that's really complicated, the fact that she forgave him. And I really want to see more development Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there. Because... I don't know if it's wishful thinking to kind of hope that they have a conversation about, you know, yeah. the things that he's done to her. But they have grown so much, especially last season when, you know, he apologized. He was the person, yeah, yeah. And he was the one that she trusted to say goodbye to everyone for mm-hmm. her. You know? Yeah. I just, I really like that relationship. And I think that it could go some really cool places. I really liked all of this stuff with those six. And that's why I, another reason why I kind of found uh, the bunker stuff really um, overwhelming last episode, just because like there's so much going on, there are so many characters to keep track of, and so now like there was only six, and I was like, "Whew, take a break, fam." I know all these people. It's more simplistic. Yeah, I I, I guess like I know that this isn't Riverdale because Riverdale has 22 episodes this season, and this uh, only has 13 as usual, so they can't afford to have them up in space longer than this Mm -hmm. um but i almost kind of wanted them in space longer just so we could get some more flashbacks no i definitely did too Mm -hmm. i really wanted them to have like a whole you know maybe quarter of the season where they're in space yeah because i love the space stuff like i love you know science fiction and i love space operas and stuff so i was kind of hoping we'd get more space moments and i think maybe we might because that big old ship is still there yeah, and also, this is a quarter of the season. No, this is a third. Oh, it is a quarter. Yeah, it is a quarter, except we didn't see them last episode, so it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. So anyway, she's like, Amori, stay back and check the ship. And Amori's like, ugh, fine, time out. And Murphy's like, if you need somebody to help you, I'll help you. Because he's, like, trying to extend a knowledge olive branch, at least a little bit. Like, he's not doing a great job at it, but at least, like, he's not being like, at least he's not being like, yeah, Maury, you piece of crap. Get her done. I think I think he's extending the olive branch because he knew he went too far mm, mm-hmm. when they were coming over and he was like, oh, crap, she biffed it and she actually does need help. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. I definitely think that's right. And he's saying, like, yeah, here's my olive branch. And she's saying, I don't need your help, John. You're crap. And he's like, whatever, you screwed the pooch. You know, he was like, I was trying to be nice and now I'm going to be mean again because you were mean. I love two children. <laughs> idiots. Yeah. yeah, they're 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 idiots. Yeah. And so they're like, you know what? Fine. Sh- sh- whatever. We've got an alarm going off right now. Um, So Harper will help. And Harper's like, boo, <laughs> voluntold. <laughs> Harper's like, OK, I don't get to have a plot this episode. Fine, That's fine. Cool. And I think, you know, shout out to what Claire was tweeting about today. Claire from Metastation, who is at Kane and Griffin, saying that it really seems like all of the characters are getting some real character development and we're seeing who they are in, after this time jump. Um, but we haven't really met met new Harper yet. That's true. 
We haven't really met New Harper yet. I think Harper might be one of those characters that's on the back burner for this season. Sure. Because last season she had quite an arc. Oh, she sure did. Yep. True. But we'll see what happens, yeah. honestly. So they're going through it and he's saying that it's like a maze and then they find out OMG inmates and that these people were the ones who were disposable and they were like, wow, that sounds familiar. And I'm like, literally, you guys were inmates. Yeah. Gee, I, you know, I've seen this plot before somewhere. Although this is literally only relevant to Monty, Harper, and Murphy <laughs> of the six. Oh, yeah, good point. But yeah, that sounds familiar. I loved that moment because I was like, thank you for the callback. Yes. Do you think they told everyone else like what it was like, like what they got arrested for and what life would, life was like on the arc for them and like sharing all their experiences? Oh, I think they have to have. And Something that I've been thinking about that I haven't mentioned on the pod yet is, okay, so one of my favorite reality shows of all time is called Big Brother. And, you know, I've watched every season of Big Brother since BB12, BBUS12. And basically, things that people have said about being in Big Brother, like showmances. So a showmance is when two people come into the house and they meet each other for the first time and then they, like, become a couple and they, you know kiss and sleep in the same bed all the time and everything but they only know each other for like three months and they're like i love you Mm -hmm. and you know people go into the house thinking you know what if i have a showman's i'm not gonna go crazy like that and they always do and it's like a phenomenon in in like these houses where people just like stick together like that and afterwards they say like i'm literally you literally spend 24 hours with this person all the time so it kind of like it forms a relationship that other people kind of can't relate exactly. to. Exactly. And it's like everything is sped up. It's like mm-hmm. these three months for like three years because that's the amount of time you spend with them. Oh, I never thought about it. So that's what you're saying happened with Space Crew? That's what I'm saying happened with Space Crew. And also another thing that is that people, when they go on Big Brother, they're not allowed to have their phones. They don't even have books. They can't watch TV. They, you know, they just sit around and they do their competitions like once in a while and they talk game and they, you know, try to make sure they don't get voted out and and all this other stuff. But uh, the main thing that they do is they tell stories about their lives and, you know, their friends. And so when some people, someone wins HOH, head of household, and they get to go and they get to live in the HOH room and they get like pictures of all of their family and they get a letter from home in US and they get a video from home in Canada uh, version, then everyone knows those people already. Like they go up and they're like, oh, I can't wait to see that picture of your girlfriend or I can't wait to go see that picture of your sister. So like I kind of in my head equate space crew to being in the big brother house, I guess. Um, That's really cute. Because I assume they have to have told stories. I, I, everyone must know everything about everybody else because that's that's what happens on Big Brother. And because this was six years, yeah, that's why that's why it's so viable that it's a close knit ride or die family. Yeah. And that's also why it's so devastating that Murphy and Amori aren't getting along, or that you know Echo and Bellamy didn't speak for the first three years. It's like you guys are all locked up mm-hmm. in these close quarters. Any kind of drama that happens is immediately going to make it back to, like, the other four or five immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And it's going to make great television. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I want a whole reality show of these kids trying to survive one another without killing each other. So uh, they come to this broken door and they're like, looks like someone forgot their key. (laughs) (laughs) I love you. And so they're like, yeah, let's find the hydrazine, kill the alarm. Murphy sits in the captain's chair because, of course, he does and I love him. 
And it turns out that the ship runs on hithalodium instead of hydrazine. <laughs> Womp! Don't you hate that relatable moment when the ship you're on runs on hithalodium and not hydrazine? This is literally the most Star Trek moment the show has ever done. I love how she's like, hithalodium. And I'm like, am I supposed to know what that means? I was like, do you mean like a beryllium sphere or derillium or any other kind of like sci-fi, I guess, fuel? Yeah. Tilium. Sure. Tilium was the Battlestar one. So Murphy's like, Kate, can we cut the science, please? Because I don't know what's going on. So like, can we go down there or what? And she's like, yes, going down there. Well, first she's just like, if you, we can use hithalodium if you want to hack and explode. And Bellamy's like, Kay, so what? <laughs> and so they're like, okay, they probably have hydrazine on board. Let's check. Yes, they do. Heck yeah. We're good. I just love the moment when Murphy sits in the captain's chair because you know that like he used to watch Star Trek. Oh, <laughs> that's so funny. He's sitting in the captain's chair and Murphy and or Monty and, and um, Raven are having a conversation. He's like, hey, I am the captain and I do not understand. Explain. Exactly. Tell me. I'm important. He's like, I'm Kirk. They get the radio and they're like, ooh, can we talk to them? And they're like, yeah, we probably should not just yet because we don't actually know who we're talking to. And so it turns out that they are hunting their people. And I'm assuming they think that the bunker people are out there. So they're talking about the bunker people. I fully expected them to be like... She has blonde hair and she does this and she has a mole above her lip and she, you know, like exact Oh my god. Things about her. He could be everyone would be like, Clark. I like how it was done. So I'm pleased with that. But, you know, all throughout this episode, there were ways that they could have done a reveal and they didn't. And I thought that was cool. That would have been like comedy gold. <laughs> like Bellamy would like start ticking off his fingers, like, oh, blonde, mole above lip. Has a lot of bad... It's Clark! <laughs> Has a bad attitude? Um, yes! Likes to pull levers? Oh boy, I can't... <laughs> we're really narrowing it down here. Does she say... Hey, has she said the line, there are no good guys yet? Yeah, that's Clark. That's Clark. She's live. <laughs> yeah, she definitely has said that. Yes, that's Clark. And so uh, they're like, what the heck? Like, no one was left. What's happening? And Echo's like, Octavia can handle it. It's okay. Because they expect that all these people that they're hunting are the bunker people. Which is totally fair to expect. And Octavia, that they remember, would have been able to handle it. Although, if I was Bellamy in this moment, I would be thinking, oh, wait, no, never mind. I was going to say that if I was Bellamy and I thought that they were hunting Octavia and they said, oh, she's pretty and she's blah, 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 then I would be like, oh, my gosh, my sister's alive. But I guess what he's thinking about is, like, actual real confirmation because he doesn't want to get his hopes up. Well, and I think he always, yeah, that's true. Cause even though they're in the bunker, you know, there's no guarantee that you make it out of the bunker alive. Mm -hmm. We know that quite well. Yep. <laughs> so now later in the episode, they're moving the hydrazine and Murphy's like, this place is too spoopy for me. And uh, Echo's like, y you're being spooped out by an empty ship. Chill out. Okay. I would be scared of an empty ship. There, I, I would feel like there's ghosts in the corridors. Ooh, Ouija board. Spirit oh box? Oh my god. Yes. Ouija board for sure. I really... Okay, now I want Raven and Murphy to do, like, ghost hunting on the ship. Dude, that's dope. But especially since we know a ton of people died on that ship, so it's basically just, like, on on one half of the ship, it's, like, a floating cryopod, like, human stasis thing. But on the other half of the ship, it's a murder boat. Yeah. 
So then they're like, listen, the ground is spoopy. Everything's spoopy. What can we do? Everything is just the worst, okay? And Echo's like, I like the Murphy's back. I like his jokes. And I'm like, wow, can relate. Cannot wait for them to become best friends. Yeah. I think there's like twice in this episode that Echo like really stands up for Murphy. I think um, Echo gets Murphy. Oh, I think so too, for sure. You yeah. know, they both have a crush on Bellamy. I get it. I was going to go into this whole thing where like they both really crave purpose and direction <laughs> and freedom and like have dueling like ideologies but the same goals. And you were like, yeah, but Murphy me. And I'm like, you know what? She's right. <laughs> okay, but I want to hear about your thing. Well, like, to me, I think they're very much, like, they're so similar. They deal with all their problems by being snarky about it. Mm -hmm. They're really, really, really intense people. Um, Echo knew nothing except for being, like, a subject. Mm -hmm. Murphy knew nothing but being a prisoner. True. They'd never really been free before. So Echo took to being free and herself like a fish to water. Whereas Murphy, because, like, he craves chaos and there was none didn't know how to live within a structure and he kind of fell apart. Right. And I think Echo feels for him because she gets it. She's like, I too am a warrior. I too thrive on chaos, but Echo is able to compartmentalize and I don't think Murphy can. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I think they get each other. I think so too. Or she, get, she gets him. Oh yeah. And he's like, I don't get anybody. I'm a brooding anti-hero. Yeah. He's like, um, friends never heard of him. And everyone's like, you're our friend, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and so Murphy's like, Monty, it's not even a secret that everyone knows that you liked living on the Ark. And Monty's like, wow, we had everything that we wanted up there. Can't, can't, can't understand why we would want to stay there. Yeah, I love that he doesn't even bother to deny it. Monty's like, yeah, I did really like living on the Ark. Thanks for reminding me that we're not on it. He's like, I liked Triple G. Get off my back. He liked his LG farm. And so he's like, yeah, it was literally us being stuck in a tube for 2,201 days. Not that he was counting. <laughs> time violation and Monty was like okay but you did literally nothing and you were upset because Amori found a skill this is interesting this is weird to me because it it's sounding like when we talk to Murphy they're saying like I think Bellamy did in the first episode and Monty now is being like you pushed Amori away because blah 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 and when Amori's talking to Harper she's saying I pushed John away so I'm like what's the truth well I think both things can be true yeah I think it can be that Amori resented Murphy. See, like, I really get Murphy here. Mm -hmm. I totally get Murphy because it's hard to feel like you don't have a purpose in a group. It's hard to feel like they want you there, but that you don't belong. So you don't really deserve to be there. And so, like, Amori was like, okay, well, I'm going to learn something new and I'm going to make myself feel useful. And thus, I will be useful. Whereas Murphy kind of went in and goes, like, what skills does he have? I mean, that's another and, thing as well is just, like, if I can relate it back to Big Brother, is that, like, you have nothing to do when you're in that in that house. So in BBUS, they have a chess table. And so most people learn to play chess when they're there. Or, you know, on both of them, they have a pool table. So people learn how to play pool. Or they take up exercising a lot because there's literally nothing else to do. So it's interesting to me, like, Murphy, what have you been doing? Because everyone else is, like, learning to be a rocket person or, like, fighting and training for things. Like, what was he up to? That's the thing is, I don't think he was up to anything. What? How can I you think, just sit I, and meditate? I think 
I think it's kind of like a prison experiment. Mm-hmm. All of these people are basically imprisoned. And they all find different outlets. And there's always going to be the one that finds nothing. Right. That that has an axe to grind with the system, has an axe to grind, and I mean, understandably so, but who feels useless and feels helpless and feels like they're not in control. And instead of, you know, taking that inwards and learning something, pushes it outwards mm-hmm. onto everyone else and thus creates a big old barrier of negativity that they can't touch. Right. And, like, to me, I get that so much because, you know, one of my biggest fears in life is being useless, of not accomplishing something, of not, you know, having a purpose. And I think that Murphy is very much the same way, especially in the way that they're saying, you know, you feel useless. Tell me that you're useful. Tell me that you're valid. All of these things is their words mean nothing because Murphy doesn't have a skill to prove it yet. Yeah. Whereas on the ground, he kind of could. Mm-hmm. He had he had multiple opportunities to prove himself, and he did. Right. But what what are you going to do on a ring? There's no life or death situations. There's no need for survival instincts there. Mm-hmm. Um. So they're calling each other useless coward, and they're doing the thing where they go, guys, guys, which they literally did last time when Bellamy was like, "Be nice to yourself." Okay, but was I the only one who was like, "Kiss"? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. I was like, they were like in each other's faces, and I was like, kiss. be nice to each other, please. Yeah. Put your faces in each other's <laughs> so faces. So they find all the cryo stuff, and they're like, oh my gosh, there are hundreds of them. And they're like, let's heck and leave. Um, like, mood. let's get out of here. Yeah, same. And then Kodiak wakes up, and it was a Kodiak moment. Yo, stop it. You can only make that joke once. I haven't made it on the pod yet. All right. It was a Kodiak moment. And I tweeted it and no one thought it was funny. I thought it was genuinely funny. Thank you. That's genuinely funny. How did no one else think about it? I don't know, man. I don't know. So the ship is all good. And um, so Amori and Harper are going to have a girl chat now. And she's like, it was literally my first time and I messed it heckin' up. But here's the thing, Amori, you only have one hand. Don't be so down on yourself, buckaroo. Yeah. You only got one hand, fam, and you still did a good job. You know what I find fascinating about this scene? Mm. It's so weird to see this show have two women talk, actually talk about a man. Oh, yeah. It's like the reverse um, Bechtel, where you're like, Wait, this pivoted from being about Amori and her skills to being about Murphy? They don't usually do that garbage. I'm, yeah, I was like, I'm not into, like, she's like, maybe John deserves a second chance. And I was like, what does that have to do with Amori's piloting <laughs> Um, But she's saying, like, she kicked Murphy out because he didn't do anything to help them. And they're like, yeah, maybe he deserves a second chance. And then they all show up and they're like, we have to warn Relamy, quick. Um, and John was like, are you talking about me? And she's like, oh, you're stupid. And I'm like, but here's he has good like, cockroach ears. What a c- brave thing to say <laughs> to your ex. <laughs> what a brave why? thing to say. <laughs> Murphy looks at her and he's like, why would you say something so brave yet? So controversial. <laughs> like, can, I cannot imagine going up to your ex and being like, were you just talking about me? Cause what if they weren't? You look so stupid. Okay, but like it's Murphy. Even if they oh, weren't, yeah. he would have he would have turned and been like, "Oh well, you should have been." Yeah, literally. <laughs> He's like, "I'm the most interesting thing that happened to you." So, man, she knows how to fly spaceships. He's so full of crap. 
<laughs> so Bellamy's going through the list. <laughs> murder, murderer, arson that resulted in murder, armed robbery that resulted in murder. So it just seems like everybody here has committed murder. Yeah, I mean, if you compare that to, like, the hundred delinquents on the ground who, like, were jailed for, like, growing pot, not really the same thing. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. So they're like, yeah, there's 300 inmates, 25 guards, and 12 crew. 300, you say? That's a number. Yeah. That's a hundred number. Yeah, and it's also the number of sleeping people that Bellamy is faced with who he could kill. It's the number of people in the cryopads. It's the number of people who died in Mount Weather. It's the number of people who died in the culling. It's the amount of people who died in Bellamy and Pike's garbage. Oh, that's right! That's the one I'm talking about. Sleeping grounders that Bellamy could kill. Wow. Man, it's so weird to think of that Bellamy and then this Bellamy and be like, boy, yeah. those are not well, the same I remember people. we were potting in our lost season three pods. R.I.P. R.I.P. Moment of silence. We tried to find him. Couldn't do it. Sorry, fam. Moment of silence. Yeah. Okay, moment's over. Maybe one day we will re-pod about season three. It won't be the same, but alas. I think it'll be more fun because we'll have, like, better perspectives and we can really talk about, like, the lasting impact of Lexa and Lincoln on television. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, But I remember when we were talking about, we were just like, who's this? He's back. Yeah, all season three, I was like, I don't know this man. <laughs> yeah, and then in season four, you were just kind of like, I don't know. Like, I, I, of course, always liked Bellamy. Like, it's Bellamy. Mm-hmm. I, it's Bellamy. But in season three, I was just kind of like, while I can see where the motivations are, they got to it in a way that felt like a shortcut. And then everything after that just kind of felt like they were trying to make up for that shortcut. Uh-huh. So things didn't connect properly. But now you jump forward six years and it's like, okay, that's Bellamy. Right there, that's yeah. that's like it's season one Bellamy. Always meant to be. Yeah, it's like, it's Bellamy with all the best parts of him, like, ready to go. I have a question about spaceship logistics. Oh my god, I can guarantee I have an answer. <laughs> okay, so here's my thing is that if there are 300 inmates, okay, mm-hmm. there are 25 guards, fine, mm-hmm. there are 12 crew. So I assume that the crew's job is to pilot the spaceship, right? Uh, no, not necessarily. And to, like, feed people? Um, so if you think about it in terms of, like, the little knowledge that you have of, like, Star Trek, which I'm assuming is almost none. Um, think about it like, think about it like the Ark. You're gonna have the guards, like Kane, the doctors, the engineers, like Sinclair, the leaders, like Jaha, the, um, pilots... And then you're going to need janitorial staff. So there's only 12 of them? Yep. Bro. Okay, well, here's, my, here's, the, here's the question I was trying to get to then. You're supposed to be in space for hundreds of years? I don't think... Okay. Okay, you don't think they were supposed to... Because my, my question is, if you think that you're supposed to be in for hundreds of years, your crew dies off, fam? Exactly. So I think it's so hard to say how long they were meant to be in stasis for Mm -hmm. because as they established later in the episode, you know, when we get to the ground part, they're red blooded. They're not night bloods. Right. Which means that the long-term radiation solution that Becca came up with was not given to them. Like it was Elysius three. So how were they meant to be in space long-term with no radiation protection? And then that leads to the question of, were they meant to be woken up 
within a couple years and like that's how long it would take or was it that the crew would also be put to sleep after a little while Mm. and i think maybe it's that the crew was also meant to be in cryostasis yeah because that's that's another thing is it's just like if i feel like there aren't 300 inmates there's like 200 inmates and then the rest of the hundred is like more crew so every time that one crew is like (laughs) i know (laughs) One crew is like, we tired, we retiring, fam. Then they'll, like, wake up another set of crew, and you, like, know that you're getting into cryosleep to spend your entire life on this ship doing the same thing. Oh, hang on. Hang on. What if some of the other crew members were actually scientists? Mm Mm-hmm. And that they were actually low-key experimenting on the prisoners and how much they could handle that's very like the book, like the hundred book. Yeah, very much like how um, Abby and Jake were in the book. Yeah. Like using these prisoners as experiments, which would explain why, one, they're referred to as cargo, because yes. I'm convinced that they're the cargo. And two, why Kodiak had weird super strength. Mm. Oh, yeah. Because Gets stabbed and it's just like, yeah. time to push you off of me. Yeah, a normal person wouldn't be able to do that. So what was done to these people to make them this way? And where were they going? Reaper parallels? Little bit, little bit. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, logistic questions. But so we learned that uh, one of Bellamy's ancestors had like four PhDs. That makes perfect sense for the nerdiest family in the world. I have another question. Sure. This is going to be another log episode just because I have a lot of, like, we have a lot of speculating to do. No, but I love this sci- when you get to do sci-fi speculation. Oh, yeah. it makes me so happy. Okay, so my next question is, if Bellamy grew up to be a guard slash a janitor and Aurora was a seamstress, I think, right? Question mm-hmm. mark? Yes, she was. Uh, but her, one of her ancestors was a scientist or a huge, like, big deal guy. I wonder if... To get onto the Ark, everybody had to be a huge big deal guy. Yeah, I think they did. I think they had to prove why they were useful. And why their offspring would be useful. Exactly. Like, you know, the early descendants of the Griffins, the Canes, the Jahas, like, mm-hmm. all of them had to be... And they were all from different places, right? Like 12 different countries. So it had to be the best of the best scientists from 12 different countries who were astronauts and physicists and, you know, all sorts of different types of scientists who, like, went up to just be nerds and then wound up being like, oh, we're stuck up here. Well, that's another thing is it's just, like, if Bellamy's ancestor was four PhDs astronauts, clearly everybody had to be four PhDs astronauts or else he would be like, or else their family would be more um, looked upon and like the Griffins are now. Does that make Sorry. sense? Like, why aren't they as revered? Yeah. So, like, everybody, all the ancestors must have been a huge deal or else the Blakes would be more revered, I think. I think certain people were afforded certain privileges. Like, the Griffins have clearly, or, you know, whatever... You know, the Jahas and things like that. I think they were always well-to-do people. But I think as people started to intermarry and reproduce, 
those lines started to break down mm-hmm. and especially as the arc began to populate a class system fell into place right so bellamy doesn't have any phds and my thought i think aaron tweeted this like aaron at Reblogginhood from metastation was just like he would he would if he there totally were would. phd classes he would take them i mean there are phd classes because abby's a doctor okay yeah but i feel like he would have a phd in something that the arc was not would not be interested in offering exactly right like greek mythology yes mm-hmm. oh my god bellamy would totally be like a like a history professor mm-hmm. that Aww. beautiful little nerd so uh, then they find the captain's log and he's like whoa that's this has been a hundred years ago so i so how is dios still did they go into cryo sleep after like right after the captain's log or like what happened here yeah, I think they took command of the ship, and I think they did. I think maybe they had faster than like technology that was. Oh, that's right. Raven said that one of the engines was damaged. Yes. So they probably took them far out, and wherever they went, they busted up an engine. And it was going to take them a really long time to get home. So they decided to go into the pods, and rather than going to their destination, they went home. Mm-hmm. And they only just got home from whatever happened a hundred years ago. Right. So do you think they like put the ship on manual or something? Yeah, I definitely think they like, well, I think I personally think it would be really cool if there was some kind of like early version AI in that ship. Right. That like, because it kind of seems like there's something a little ominous about that, especially because Allie went back up into the ring and they haven't really brought that up again. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if there's like an AI on board that ship. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, the ship definitely piloted itself for sure. Okay. And then they just like put an alarm and they were like, hey, when you get to your destination, wake me up. Thanks. Yeah. Or it could be that they drew straws and every time someone aged out of or was going to die, they had to wake a new person up to watch over them all. Ew, that would suck. Yeah. Live by yourself the whole time just until you, like, were, like, on your heckin' deathbed. Ugh. Exactly. Garbage. But also, wake me up. When September When when the cryo sleep ends. I think we should start a band. It would be the worst band in the world. Hey. What can't... You can play the clarinet, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I can. I'm a singer. Okay, so we'll just be a clarinet singing duo. (laughs) Yeah. That's a great act. We'll sell five seats. Yeah. I think people will come. Just the people sure. who listen to this. Yeah. And maybe not even that many people. Um, and we probably have to pay them. So uh, we get the captain's log and he says that the ship has been compromised and that they got, I believe he said we got they got word of Order 11. What's that? Don't know, but cool. And that they killed most of the crew and that Dioza... Cannot be allowed to weaponize the cargo, which she fully did. Which also leads me to believe that Dioza is, like, one of the highest ranked... Not highest ranked, but, like, most... Dangerous? Dangerous. Like, I feel like if she... If this was a real prison, she would be in solitary confinement, you know? Yeah, because she has that, like, manipulating kind of thing going on. I mean, I think that she kind of implied that she's a war criminal. Yeah. Oh, right, too. Yeah. Or that she went she went rogue because she didn't believe in the war that she was fighting for, mm-hmm. which, I mean, 
would make sense for her character because she used to be a Navy SEAL. Right. So I think she's probably the smartest and most dangerous person on that ship. Mm-hmm. Agree. Because she's obviously like some kind of rogue vigilante. Yeah. And so they kill the dude and we learn that Shaw helped them and he said, you said that you wouldn't kill the crew and she said, I said I wouldn't. You little mm. sneak. Rough deal. Okay, so then Bellamy sees the mug. Because, like, Charmaine picks up the mug and looks at it, so that's how Bellamy knows she will recognize this mug. So he takes the mug. So, call-out post, Anthony, that mug needs to be on sale. Mm. Just thought I'd let him know. So, just for anybody who wasn't on Twitter seeing all of this stuff, did you want to explain um, the, the mug debacle? no i don't want to explain this please (laughs) okay so the mug that bellamy picks up and i think it says something like what does it say i think it says number one dad in the universe or like greatest dad in the universe or something like that yeah bellamy picks it up and it's like kind of like a kid's drawing and it says best dad in the universe and it's got like you know kind of like the star trekky like space font and um jason rothenberg who created the show and is a showrunner tweeted a picture of it and said, here's the mug that Bellamy uses to prove that he was on their mothership. Fun fact, this was my second choice. The first was ultimately deemed too silly, and we worried what would become of Bellamy's fandom nickname forevermore. It said simply, Captain Daddy. (laughs) Captain Daddy. He should not have told people that because now that's what it is. It's, I've seen so many Captain Daddy memes, it's not even funny. (laughs) Captain Daddy. And it's so funny because it fits Bellamy perfectly. So I'm sorry. It does. It does. <laughs> it does. Okay, so then we get attacked by Kodiak and Echo comes in and they kill him after a scuffle. Good thing she brought her sword. Yeah. Eh? She knew. Like Bellamy gives her the side eye when they land and he's like, why do you have the sword? And I like, I want to, I, in my head, they had a silent conversation. He was like, why would you have a sword? And then as soon as she stabs the guy, she'd be like, you were saying. Yeah. yeah. She, like, she looks at him and she's like, so, what do you think of me now? (laughs) So, Echo talks about how she would have thought that this stuff was magic. And Raven has a dope quote from Arthur C. Clarke, because, of course, that's his name. Fun fact, Clark Griffin was named after Arthur C. Clarke. Oh, that is a fun fact. I did not know, but I like to know those things. You learned something today. I did. And so, then they're saying, basically, you could live forever. And Murphy's like, maybe we should just kill them right now. And (laughs) I'm Murphy a little bit. Yeah, me too. I'd be like, I don't want to deal with this. Bye. And so Bellamy's like, if we kill all their people, they'll kill all our people. Because they still think that the ground is teeming with bunker humans. So then they're saying that they probably woke up Kodiak to make sure that nothing bad was happening over here. Because we tripped their alarm. Little did they know, something bad was happening over here. And if he doesn't ca- check in with them, they're going to wake somebody else up and and so on. Okay, my whole thing with this is, it's very much season one. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, it's the grounders attacking the kids because it was shoot first, ask questions later. Yeah. And so the kids having this moral quandary is the same moral quandary that the grounders had when they saw this, like, invading set of teenagers show up and, like, start attacking them first. Right. And, like, the whole lesson here is, like, 
if you, if a diplomacy doesn't come to mind first, you're already screwed. Uh-huh. Which I think is why Bellamy was so hesitant because he's like, we've already lived this. Yeah. We can't live it again. Echo says that she's on Murphy's side because I love a friendship mm-hmm. and that it's a would be a strategic mistake to not kill them or at least have like control of this. And they're like, Clark would. And he's like, I'm not Clark. And they're like, yeah. Yeah. Clark, Clark died so that we could live. And so we got to live. And so they're going to try and rig it so that they can kill them from the ground. And Murphy starts to walk away. And I cheered. I was so happy because Bellamy was like, Murphy, what do you think? I, I would like your opinion. Clearly, we can't do it the same way that we used to do it. But I also think the thing that's really important in this scene is one, Bellamy uses diplomacy to group think a solution. Mm-hmm. Two, the solution comes from Echo. Right. Which is a big deal because it proves Echo's place in the group as sort of like a great strategizer. Mm-hmm. And two, it also shows that like her following sort of through a bloodthirsty monarchy and like always being someone second in command means that she's very good at being at war. And she's chosen to find a way where she's a halfway compromise between being diplomatic and remembering that there are enemies around every corner. Right. I just, I love this moment for Echo. I think it's so great. Then Murphy does his, okay, let's be good guys. I don't, it doesn't really feel like they're being good guys. Like, Comparatively to killing everybody immediately, I guess that's a a good guy option, but they're still being like, let's hold this as blackmail slash leverage. Is that what good guys do? No. But remember, there are no good guys. You walked right into that. Yeah. I'm so sorry for you. It's okay. So Bellamy goes up to Raven and he's like, or, and she's like, listen, turns out somebody has to stay. And Bellamy's like, okay, well, frick. Guess it's gonna be me because I am Kane. And um, stop! Why would you say something so hurtful? Yet so true. Oh wow! And so Raven's literally like, "Bro, I would let you, but you're literally too dumb to do it." And so. Bellamy's like, "Yeah, okay, teach me computer programming." And Raven's like, "I don't have another six years for this." Another thing about this is just that they're like. Every time that they have to go down in a bunker or up to space, they're like, it is okay for us to be there because food, water, good. But we have heard nothing about it on this ship. And so, like, I assume because they're supposed to be people that, you know, there is food and water on there, but they haven't said anything. I don't know. I imagine they probably have some kind of rations or... Mm -hmm. I mean, if they could find usable food in Becca's mansion that Murphy could cook with. There's going to be something on that ship right. you can eat. And so he's like, I won't leave you because, you know, I left Clark on the ground to die. And so I can't leave you to die as well. Dude, that messed me up. Mm. Because he very, I, there's such a deliberate pause. And then Be- Bellamy says, I can't lose. And then he pulls back. And it's not, the implication is I can't lose you too. Mm-hmm. And, like, I love the Bellamy in his mind equates his bond with Clark to his bond with Raven. Yeah. Which is, like, I, you are my best friend. You are my friend. You are my partner. We do this together. Mm-hmm. And I think very much, like, Bellamy and Raven up in space were, like, very much the mom and dad of the group. Yeah. And so 
them Bellamy actually saying this to Raven is kind of everything because so few people look at Raven and say, I don't want to lose you because of you. I'd choose you first. Yeah, exactly. Like, so few people look at Raven and say, despite all of your talents, I would still choose you even if you didn't have them. Mm -hmm. They say, we can't lose you because you're an engineer, because you're this, because you're that. Bellamy's looking at Raven and saying, I can't lose you because you're my friend and I care about you. And that would mess me up, fam. Yeah. And I mean, given all of the stuff that they've been through together, it makes perfect sense that those two are bonded as tightly as Clark and Bellamy were. Mm Mm-hmm. And Raven's like, dude, it's okay. Like, I trained Amori for this. We should be good to go. So you need to go down to the ground for your sister and, you know, to strike peace. Like, it's really important. And I'll just come down with people later because I'm sure they're going to come back up here and it'll be fine. And then, you know, of course, he's still not saying anything. So she's like, okay, uh, there's an escape pod. So I'll come down and it'll be fine. I promise to get you back to the ground. And so please let me do that for you. How dim is Bellamy that he didn't notice that she pulled that excuse out of thin air? Yeah, especially after she was just like, here's a way that I could come down. Instead of being like, there's an escape pod, like immediately. Yeah. yeah. Bellamy was like, oh, I don't like that one. And Raven was like, oh, what else I got? What else I got? Oh, escape pod. Although I fully believed it. I didn't. She when said, I, she, <laughs> I didn't believe that at all. I was like, oh, cool. So Raven's leaving herself to die. We did. And then as soon as she was like, um, there wasn't an escape pod. Me and mom were like, ha. Oops. Oh, man. <laughs> so you were Murphy in that moment. Oh, fully. Like, we laughed. Oh, my God. Um, And so, yeah, they're going to leave Raven. And Amori's like, let John go. And we talked a lot about this already. Mm-hmm. But he's like, no, we can't. It's technical. So I think it's funny that it's like, <laughs> they're like, we're leaving Raven. And we're like, okay, well, we love Raven. So we don't want to do that. Who don't we love? Murphy. And... <laughs> And Bellamy's like, Murphy's not smart enough, you guys. We need somebody who's smart and we hate. I love that he passed on Raven's roast to Murphy. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, oh, she called me dumb too, though. So yeah. I need, I, I, I gotta roast someone else too. And so Monty's like, you know what? I'll do it. And Harper's like, dude, what the heck? And you know what this reminds me of? What? Season one of Lost, season one, or episode 107 of Lost is called The Moth. And mm-hmm. what happens is the main character, whose name is Jack, he gets stuck in a cave, Blech. cave, um, cave-in. Cave-in, <laughs> sure. And cave, cave. Cave, uh, cave, <laughs> a cave. And there's a very small hole that someone has to get through. And all of the people who are, like, small enough to go in have other people. And so the main character in that episode, his name is Charlie. And he says, like, Shannon has her brother. Boone has his sister. You know, Son has her husband. I have nobody here. I will go in it. And if something bad happens to me, at least, you know, no one was watching out for me. Like, I'm not watching out for anybody. Yeah. So it's okay. I'll go in. So that's what this kind Mm -hmm. of reminded me of. It's just, like, you know... Raven, like, we've kind of talked about Raven doesn't really have anybody. Like, you know, Bellamy mm-hmm. and her are best friends. But, like, it's weird to me that Monty is just like, Harper, I know you would be upset about this, but it's going to be me now. It's very, first of all, um, yes to those parallels, but also Kane and Jaha at the end of season one. Oh, for sure. Because Kane's lost his mother. He doesn't know that he's going to fall in love with Abby. Mm-hmm. Jaha's lost his son. They both decide, okay, well, if someone's going to die, it's going to be me. Mm -hmm. But I also, because Monty was so willingly going to do it, it makes me wonder what's going to happen with Marper. Yeah. 
But I mean, they they were told that there was an escape pod before, right? Or did they not know at all? No, it looks like it, uh, from my my notes here, Monty says yes, and then Bellamy says escape pod. Okay, so it's weird so, to me that Monty's just like, I will sacrifice myself for Raven. I think for me, I want to say that it's also him sacrificing himself so that everyone can get down to the ground. And I think it's absolutely a little bit for Harper. But because I kind of had to dig into that subtext a little bit, I wonder if this is just kind of like a sign of, oh, maybe things aren't going to hold together for Harper. And plus, that's another like thing that, you know, Nicole brought up is that she said, like, who are the technical people? Raven, Monty, and now Imori. And never does Imori say, I'll do it then. Because she's a Slytherin. Yep. I get it. And Monty is not, and Harper is not. Yeah. So, yeah, he's like, don't worry, there's an escape pod, it's fine. And Maury's just like, dude, I can't do this by myself, like, did you see what I did before? And John's like, fine, you know what, I'll go too, it's chill. And we talked about this as well. Um, and he says, you know what, it's a survivor's move because you guys are going to be with Amori and she's going to mess it up. But it, 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 it's not, but it's softer. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It ha- it doesn't have the bite. It's a goodbye. Yeah. It's it's the only goodbye that, like, they could really have. Yeah. Where it's kind of like, love you, punch you on the shoulder. Yeah. Later, dude. Um, And then he says, I'll see you on the other side, because of course he does. Because that's that's uh, a theme. I'll see you in another life, brother. See you in another life, brother. And then, <laughs> freaking, I hate that we both did it. I hate it. Freaking Raven's, like, just watching them all leave, and she's, like, brooding. And Murphy's, like, sup? And she's, like, you're so stupid. <laughs> I love that she laughed. She was, like... We're both gonna die up here, and you're an idiot! Yay! Yay! I love that. I love these two together. I think yeah. they're so funny. I mean, I I want to I want to like clarify. Like, I don't like ship this romantically because he disabled her, so that's always gonna be like a thing. Yeah. But I definitely love their dynamic. It cracks me up. She just looked at me, and went ha, and then walked away. <laughs> I want to say that I do not actively ship this, but if it happened. I would not be opposed. Like, I know that this whole disabled thing happened, but also, like, they've moved past it, question mark? I think narratively they have. I think I think within the context of the show they have, I don't know if the show's really shown us that they have yet, which I think will be really helpful in the next couple episodes if we see them together stuck up there. Mm. Okay, sweet. So they land, and they didn't die, and everyone's like, yay! And then Echo's like okay, but we haven't really won until Murphy and Raven come back down. And I'm like, first of all, thank you for the reality check. Second of all, love that you love your friends. Support you. Yeah. And then they're like, everyone has seen us, for sure. So we just have to wait for them to find us. Yeah. Uh, And now the rest of this is the ending, which I'd like to talk about at the end. So let's move on to the ground stuff. Yeah. While we're in between storylines here, I wanted to point out that we got some comments on our SoundCloud. Oh, sweet. So Lisa Powell commented and said, I love Kara for these same reasons. She's a look into the life of lower class people on the Ark who have been fricked over and over by those in charge. So And she also commented, I love the Octavia Echo parallel of just ripping covers off of things out of impatience after dudes were trying to open them with tools beast mode activated. 
<laughs> I love yeah. that. I love that actually. And then we also have a comment from Valentine De Jesus who commented, at least Octavia spent like nine or ten months not just training and actual fighting for her life experience as well with a sword in her hand. It's incredible to think that Kara, who had no skill with a blade, was able to take out those grounders in the pit with her, though. In the pit with her, though, and way more unrealistic. But yeah, okay, she's a survivor, so I'll let it slide. I don't know. My thing with Kara is that we don't know what she was doing, like, for the ten right. months that they were on the ground. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, you know what? I do think there's sort of, like, a moment there of, like, you suspend disbelief and you're like, how the hell can she do this? But I feel like male characters are always afforded Mm -hmm. that believability. Like Archie on Riverdale is able to do every single thing that is put to him. For some reason. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I want to, I want to see more of Mm -hmm. Carr's journey and like who she was because she was clearly skilled with a gun. She knew how to, like, create a coup. So she definitely has Mm -hmm. something. She knows something. I don't know. I don't know what yet, though. I don't know what yet. And I'd also like to uh, make a quick sidebar here to talk a little bit about our Patreon. If you don't... If you don't stick around uh, for the outro with us, which, you know, some people may not, you might not know that we have a Patreon. And a Patreon is a service that uh, allows people to donate monthly to some of their favorite creators. And it really helps us out. It's really expensive to run three podcasts and we're trying to do some more. So if you are like what we do here, please consider donating to our Patreon. It's a monthly donation of as low as a dollar, which you can find that change on the ground. So if you are interested in helping us out in that way, that would be great. And our Patreon is patreon.com slash the aficionados. And if you're like, how far does a dollar go? Oh my God. It yeah, goes and it really, so it warms our hearts when people help us out. It means that you care about the content that we are posting here. And that means a lot to us. Yeah, like, it's it's truly, like, every time that we get a new patron, Robin texts me, and, like, we get so excited. We're like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God, someone, like, actually really likes us. Yes, so if you uh, like what we do here, please consider donating. Uh, now to move on to what's happening on the ground. Dude, that was, like, a hashtag, like, ad moment. Oh, fully. <laughs> we have all the people in the trees, and there's a man who has been caught in a trap, which is a trap. Yo, that trap looked brutal. Gee, wonder where Clark got that idea. Oh boy. It's almost like, I don't know, season one? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. And Maddie is an uncomfort because she's like, we're just watching a man die. Don't feel great about it. Tag yourself by Maddie. And she's like, they're trying to take our home. So this is what we're doing. I really love that Maddie kind of goes from like, oh, I don't know about this to, okay, I understand. Like, it took the kids an entire season to get to a place that Maddie got to in about five seconds. And so the army comes up and they shoot one of the dudes. And then my next note is explodey shoot. Explodey shoot? So then there is a shoot that is explodey. I think that this is a sonic gun. Okay. Like a sonic cannon. It looks like it is because it doesn't fire. There it doesn't is actually also fire a tails gun. Mm-hmm. Do you get it? No. <laughs> oh my god! 
My next note is, ouch, they run. I love um, this moment because after the sonic boom, they're very disoriented. And it very strongly reminded me of Clark and Abby in 212. It's so funny because when I turned to, well, I was watching with my mom. Like me and mm-hmm. mom don't watch Riverdale together, but we do watch The 100 together for some reason. Like, when we watch Riverdale, she's upstairs and I'm downstairs, but we're watching at the same time. Um, That's so weird. I know. I don't know why. It's like, depends on the show, I guess. But we're watching The 100. And as soon as it happened, I was like, oh, they did this on Lost and on The Hunger Games. And she's like, and like a couple seasons ago, they did it on this show. And I was like, so true. Oh, true. Yep. Yep. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's a trope. I mean, it's a trope, but it's a good trope. Yeah. I like it. Explodey loud things. So then Charmaine is saying, find me somebody to interrogate alive, which I love because we've already established that she's a very manipulative person. So she's just like, get me somebody to talk to and we'll be good to go. Yeah. And then McCreary puts on his beanie and beanies equate to Miller on this show to me. Why do you think he put the beanie on? Well, we know, we know why, like behind the scenes. Did you see that? I sure don't. Okay. I can't, I think it was Jason who tweeted it that like they wanted McCreary to have a dope like hairstyle, but they weren't sure exactly what it was going to be. So like on his first day of shooting, they, he hadn't gotten his haircut yet. So he had a beanie. And then after they got his haircut, then they just had him like put on and take off the beanie in the later. Oh, I thought it was cause they were trying to hide his head tattoo. Oh, cause I have a whole tattoo thing. Oh, tell me. Okay. So if you actually look at all of the um, Allegis crew members, every single one of the prisoners has tats, but they all kind of seem to have similar tattoos. So actually McCreary has um, a Northeast Southwest thing on the side of his head, Mm -hmm. which matches one on Kodiak. Okay. On Kodiak's chest. And then the guy who was speared, has a spider web the same way, the exact spider web that another one of the um, guys holding guns does in that scene with Dioza. Uh And then the two of the other ones have sort of crab tattoos. Some of them have the same teardrops. So I think there's some kind of similar thread or vein in here of like where they came from and why they have matching tattoos. Because it can't be just a coincidence that all of these people have very similar tattoos. I feel like the makeup department very deliberately chose to give everyone tattoos that fit certain themes. Right. And in, like some of the women have like, the women kind of have astrological tattoos. So like, you know, the crabs and the stars and things like that. Mm-hmm. And actually one of the um, uh, prisoners that Bellamy and Raven are talking about. Yeah has the same crab tattoo as the woman that Dioza is talking to when she right. she tells Dioza that um Kodiak or like they might deploy to Kodiak. Right. So like a lot of there there seems to be a tattoo theme going on. I'm not sure if it's coincidental or purposeful yet, but I'm very invested in looking out for them because they all seem to kind of be tying into yeah, something that, that sounds purposeful I'm, as heck. Yeah, right? Because I don't think they would put the same tattoos on everyone. Especially when they're symbols that we recognize. They're not like grounder tattoos where, you know, it's like Octavia's lines or something like that. Or like little symbols. Yeah. These are deliberate pictures. Yeah. And usually like the uh, makeup artists for like the background characters are usually much more meticulous than this. So that's why I definitely think it's purposeful. 
Yeah, especially the spider webs. Look out for the spider webs the most because those seem to be the most prominent. Right. So who did you say that McCreary matched with? Kodiak? Kodiak. Okay, so that makes me think that those two are maybe two of the most violent. Yeah. Or something. They have um they have directional tattoos. Mm. Um and Claire from Meditation, we were talking in our group chat last night that she thinks it might be um symbolic of uh gangs that maybe they belong to. Okay, yeah. Which I could see. I don't know if that's hundred percent it, but I think for now that's a great working theory. Yeah. Um, which means that there's factions within that faction, which is why Dioza has to rule so brutally. Right. And so she's like, okay, can I get a med kit? And he's like, literally, you think that you can med kit this? <laughs> okay. And then he talks about SEAL training. So, like, Navy SEAL? Yeah, she's definitely a Navy SEAL. Oh, you fancy. We learn that McCreary's first name is Paxton. And his... Paxton Graveyard McCreary. And his, and his nickname is Graveyard. Alrighty, <laughs> and then imagine like your nickname being Graveyard. No thanks. I'd be like, okay, okay. Is that a roast or not? I'd rather be called <laughs> War Baby. I'd rather be called Papa Poutine. These are Riverdale references. Please don't think we are just strange people. No, you're free to think we're strange. okay. That's true. That's fair. Um, yeah. and so I guess McCreary has is her number two or something, and he's saying if you hadn't chose McCreary, maybe we would still have a doctor. So, McCreary killed the doctor? Kind of sounds like maybe they're going to need a doctor soon. Yeah, true. Can you think of any doctors? Um, I can think of a hard two, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can definitely think of, like, two that I would absolutely die for and, you know, one that, like, I would marry in a heartbeat. Mm. But I don't know. Maybe that'll come back later. And so Dioza says that you have to work with the army you have, not the army you want, which is wise. I love her. And he's like, why do we have to have a war in the first place? And they're saying, like, he chose speed over death. And she said, maybe you should choose life over death. What does this mean? Tell me. Oh, because he was a fighter pilot and, like, then he went to space. Yeah. So, like, he gave up being a fighter pilot. Okay. Wait, okay. What's the exact line? Uh, Let me find it. Because I know I made sense of this last night, but that was at three in the morning. Yeah, no problem. Let me find it for you. Thanks, fam. You're the yeah. best. How? Okay. What can I say? Okay. I choose speed over death every time. How about life over death, Lieutenant? Do you choose that too? Without this valley, we die. I'd say that's worth fighting for, wouldn't you? But there's something before that. Okay. Uh, maybe if you didn't make Paxton Graveyard McCreary your right hand, we'd still have a doctor. McCreary's still useful, and so are you for now. Go to war with the army you have, not the army you want. Why does it have to be war at all? Spoken like a man who gave up jets for spaceships. And I choose speed over death every time. What can I say? I choose speed over death every time. So he was a soldier. Right, because lieutenant. He didn't want to be a soldier. Yeah, he didn't want to be a soldier anymore, so he signed up for a space program. But why speed? I mean, he says that he doesn't miss the people later. So is he just thinking Mm -hmm. that he would, that he's just going to live longer or like see more of the world? I don't know. I don't know. But we might have to just wait. Uh, Yeah, I think that's like a mystery that we'll get, we'll get to know about him. I'm excited to learn about him because he's, it seems like a pacifist in the middle of a war. Yeah, I like him a lot. But he, but he helped the rebellion. So what about them appealed to him? Um, so Clark is hurt, and so they have to hide Maddie, and she says that she loves her. 
Um, wow. Clark has not said that to a lot of True. people. But she said it to Lexa and she said it to Maddie. I think... Uh, and she said it to Finn, right? Was it Aaron who mentioned that every time that Clark says I love you to someone, it's like her saying go- goodbye? Yeah, I think because so. Because whenever, like, someone wants to say I love you to her, then she's like, it's not goodbye. Like, she thinks that I love you means goodbye. Which, to her, it kind of does, because isn't that, like, one of the last things that her dad said to her? Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so... And it's the last thing Abby said to her before she stopped. She, she never saw yeah. her again. And so her saying I love oh, you to God. Maddie... She probably thinks that she's she's out of here. But it also very much cements in the audience's mind that that's Clark's kid. Yeah, for sure. And so she's like, don't, like, stay in here no matter heckin' what. And so they catch her, yeah. and they're talking about that she's pretty, and that they only found one, like, they didn't get the second one. So Clark is not talking, and she says, first we pray. We had, there was a whole thing on Twitter about this. Um, okay. First we pray is literally just Dios's way of saying... Drag her ass into a church because we're going to interrogate her. And she's That's what I thought. And that's... that I'm sticking to that. I think some people think that there's more religious overtones to that. Maybe there is. But at this point in time, I think it's just Dioza's, like, sassy, funny way of saying, hey, take her into the church. Yeah. Take me to church. Sing it. Girl, as if I know what the words to that song are, they are, like, a mess. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Um, okay, so, uh, yeah, she's not talking, and they're like, her people will come for her, which they do. Clark's just like, little do you know, I only have one people, but her people are coming. That She has that one people, but that one people went and got other, other yeah. peoples. And so, I love all those Zeke peoples. is like, she's our only source of info, so, like, we should probably keep her chill and good. And she says that she killed four of their people, and he's like... Okay, but, like, we're in their spot, right? This is very, very clearly... Is this, like... This is Lincoln. It's Lincoln, but also, like, was there a person in season one that said, like, maybe we're the ones who are in the wrong here because this is their space, this is their land? Or was that, like, the closest we had was, like, Finn? Yeah, I was just gonna say, I mean, Finn. And so, yeah, proximity alarm is off. So wake up Kodiak, because that's what the protocol is. And then she calls him good cop. That's funny. I liked it. I liked it because it's very true. Mm-hmm. And it's not even a tactic for Zeke. Like, I think Zeke genuinely wants to he's help He's just Clark. a good person. Which is so weird because if he's just a good person, why did he help them murder an entire yes, crew? I need to know the backstory. I need to know. Like, was it self-preservation or did he not believe in anything that was going on on the ship? Or, like, did she promise him something? Like, like was something inhumane or is is he very much... A sympathetic person, but also one who is very, has a strong survival Because, like, clearly he was one of the guards. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was definitely one of the guards. And so, yeah, Clark's just getting wailed on by McCreary. So then they're talking about how, or McCreary is saying, like, Shaw isn't one of them. And (laughs) Dioza's like, none of us would be here without him. And he's like, um, same. Thanks for the... He really wants that credit, credit. And so she's like, go sweep the woods. McCreary... Is it me or does McCreary have a little bit of Murphy oh, in there? Oh, fully. But, like, he's also very far from Murphy. So then they notice that Clark is bleeding and that she has night blood and that that was a thing on Elegious 3. So that's good to know that none of the <gasps> prisoners have night blood, which me and mom noticed we were just like, that guy's bleeding red. 
So what's up with that? Well, they said Allegis three needed it because there were two sons where they went. What? Okay, so do you think that was them saying that there was two sons, or do you think that was like a flippant, like low key, like kind of joke that Zeke was making? Oh, I think he was definitely making a joke, but I don't think that the two sons was the joke. I think that the sunscreen part was the joke. Because I wasn't sure. Why? Tell me. Well, because how far out did they have to be for their for them to be in a solar system with yeah. two suns? And if they were in a solar system with two suns, who else exactly. is out there? Because that kind of opens up. I don't know if the show will go there, but it kind of opens up the possibility of like other intelligence. Yeah, and that's like a whole different type of sci-fi that they've got here. But but they're also using the past tense to talk about it. Right. So did that happen? Like how long ago did that happen yeah. for them? Don't know the answer. Because it, hap- it had to have been 100 years ago for sure, because that was before Becca perfected right. Nightblood. Interesting. <laughs> so then Dioza's like, give me a med kit. She just wants to use the med kit. She really does. She wants to say yeah. the phrase med kit. So the- she's basically talking about how, like, they didn't know that she was here and they just wanted to come home. And then they found out, like, oops, there was no home. So, you know, uh, you know, you killed a bunch of my people. So you can see why... I'm upset and I see why you're upset. So like I get it because when there was a fascist government that took over my home, I was also pissed. Okay, so what is that? I don't know. Like when I first heard it, I thought it was supposed to be like a reference to something in history that we should know about, but I don't think it is. I think it's too far in the future for that. No, I think it's if this makes sense, it's future history. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. Yeah. So I want to know more about that immediately. For sure. And so they're like, maybe we can find a compromise here, which is exactly what Bellamy's coming in to do. <laughs> but I and also so. really love that, like, they actually present a very logical argument. Totally. Yeah. Like, everything they're saying is valid. It's just that their actions don't match their words. I like Charmaine way more than I like Kara, and I don't know how to explain that. Because they're both very honest about what they are, but I think... Charmaine comes off with a kind of shrewd intelligence, whereas Kara comes off with a raw passion. And so you right. connect so with Kara's one or maybe like not the other. A bad Gryffindor, and Charmaine's like a bad Ravenclaw. Or not- an excellent Slytherin. Exactly. Like and and when I say bad, I'm not meaning like poor. I'm meaning like um evil. Not representative. <laughs> but, but like uh shady. Uh yes, 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 yes. And so He's like, oh, like maybe what if she doesn't speak English? And she's like, yeah, she does speak English. And it's interesting because this is exactly what happened with Lincoln, except it doesn't work for Clark because they're not oh. as smart. They weren't as smart as Dioza. Well, and at the same time, um, they're not teenagers. Exactly. Yeah. And so they're like, well, we'll find who you're protecting and shoot to kill. Yikes. No. I mean, please don't. <laughs> I think my favorite thing is like, the minute they said shoot to kill, I was like, oh, you guys are in some trouble now. Yeah. Because the last thing that you do is mess with a griffin. Exactly. Um, so Zeke gives Clark water and he's like, would be nice to know your name. I'm like, you're my buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Watch by end of the season. You'll hate him entirely. Oh, probably. That's what happens. And he's like, honestly, like, this is a great conversation. I'm having a great time. And then he says a bunch of very jarring words. He said that he used to be an altar boy in a church just like this. He was from Saginaw, Michigan. Hold, please. My mom sent me a whole thing about Saginaw, Michigan. I think my favorite thing is Clark's probably listening to him going, wait, do I still speak English? Because I don't know any of these words. <laughs> True. He's, she's like, what? Motorcycle? Harley? Huh? Um, 
What the hell's a Michigan? Saginaw Valley. Okay, okay. So she sent me this thing about Saginaw Valley, and it was once inhabited by a famous tribe of warriors called the Sox. <laughs> I mean, not S-O-C-K-S, but S-A-U-K-S. Mm-hmm. This website says, 300 years ago, the Sox were a strong tribe, warlike and peaceful, who were the undisputed leaders of the entire land that is now eastern Michigan. The Saginaw Valley, as the most fertile and attractive spot of the lake region, naturally became a center of the tribal councils. So, like, this is kind of like Eden, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. Or even Polis. Yeah, exactly. And so then Mm -hmm. he's talking about his motorcycle and... You know, all this stuff. It's just nice that he's like, no one ever asks me about me and you didn't either, but I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Plus, I feel like maybe he's a bit in mourning. Ooh. Because he'll never see that bike again. He'll never see Michigan again. The whole world is gone as he knew it. Like, this earth that he's walking on is unfamiliar. Listen, I'm not from America, but like, how close is Michigan and Virginia? Uh... Let me just uh, pull up the old United States map here. Thank you. M- Michigan. We're from Canada. Help. Okay. Listen, not even all Americans know their own maps. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Uh, because I don't really like Canada. Like sometimes I'm just bad at. I am good at Canada map. I found Michigan. Okay. It is. Oh, oh it's a bit of a walk. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And I figured if like Virginia and Michigan were like neighbors, he'd be like close enough. What? We're so dumb. What? Michigan's, like, right along our border. Yeah. I know it's up. I know it's in the north, but, like... It's it's far up. Like, it's it's on the same, like, north level as New York. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, which, um, which province is it connected to? Do you know? Is it Ontario? Ontario. Right, because the Great Lakes are right there. Yeah, it's gotcha. on the Great Lakes. Gotcha. Okay. So they found Maddie and they hear that on the radio and she's like, listen, she's just a baby. (laughs) She's just a tiny toddler. Okay. She's like three years old and it's just us. So like, please listen, there's traps right there. So you, you, you should not go there. And so she's going to stand down. She tells them to stand down and they're like, what, what? We don't want to do that. And so if McCreary doesn't stand down, Falk should shoot him in the leg. And if Falk doesn't do what he's supposed to do, Harris should shoot Falk in the head. I love this. So, and they're like, oh, interesting fine. power dynamic there. Yeah. She doesn't have the loyalty of her own crew. And Octavia now has like what I assume is fanatical loyalty. Mm-hmm. Well, here's the thing is it's just like clearly Harris is like the most trustworthy to her because it's like or maybe Harris is a big violence guy who loves shooting people in the head. And maybe yeah. Falk is like good friends with McCreary. So he's like, oh, well, go ahead and shoot her, McCreary. <laughs> sure, whatever. And they're Harris like different is like, levels nah. of murdery. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So then there's like a bear trap near them. So they're like, oh, true. Okay, good. <laughs> and she's like, okay, would you tell us how the world ended, please? And she goes, which time? By the way, that's my line award. Okay, great. That was dope. So good. Yeah. Great, great delivery, great line. Shout out. I love that, like, she just dropped that, like, bomb on yeah. him. If you'll, if you'll excuse the horrible pun. Yeah. <laughs> and so now let's talk about the ending. Let's do it. Okay. So the space crew is all, like, walking around. And they're like, cool, trees. <laughs> and uh, then they get <laughs> surrounded by people and they're like, on your knees. And so Clark is saying that on the Ark, they were told it was a Chinese first strike, but that's not true. It was actually Allie. Yeah. 
she just brings up the artificial intelligence and they don't even have time to process yeah, they're that. like, what? <laughs> so then they find out there are five more hostiles. Hi, this is a lost parallel. This is oh, a direct God. lost parallel. The fact that they're calling them hostiles, that's a lost thing. Okay, hostile is also a word that is used in real life. No, I know, but like specifically using that to like, like that's the name of the people who are living on the island, who are like inhabiting the island, who aren't part of whatever thing that you're a part of. Mm -hmm. And we know that this show takes from Lost. I'm calling Lost parallel. All right. Thank you. And so they're saying at least one of them is armed, which, oh, Echo with her sword. Oh, for sure. Okay. <laughs> for a second, I was like, who is it? Um, I mean, technically, they're armed with a big-ass rocket. Yeah, true. And so they're like, okay, everybody go, except McCreary, because we're getting the collar up in here. And he's like, cool, no. I'm so excited. And Shaw no. is just a good guy, and he's like, why are we doing this? Then they're saying on the radio, listen, four of our people died, so four of their people get to die. Hallelujah. And he's like, congrats, one of you gets to live. And Maddie's like, I don't think so. Maddie's like... I'm Clark's daughter. I think this is so Obviously, funny. Obviously, you're all gonna die. But she, like, shoots him from afar, and then she comes up, and she, like, nonchalantly just shoots him a couple more times. Dude, she double-tapped him. <laughs> I was like, oh, righty. I was like, what kind of unstable child are you? I love you. <laughs> um, And so Bellamy's like, oh, my gosh, she's just a kid. And, of course, Bellamy loves <laughs> loves seeing <laughs> i don't know how to make this sound not terrible but like i know it's like bellamy loves kids and you're like uh bellamy loves anyone that reminds him of octavia okay that's a lot better <laughs> but i love how she's just like listen clark didn't draw you with a beard but i can still kind of tell it's you oh my god the fact that she read what a great way for him to find out that clark is alive so is via like her adopted child yeah and it was through the things that Clark expressed her love through, which mm -hmm. is drawing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. So good. And she's like, Clark so knew creative. you would come. Oh, best. Oh. Best. And then, of course, Maddie's like, oh, yeah, Clark's in trouble. And I I am so surprised that Bellamy, Bellamy didn't go. Of course she is. Mm. Yeah. And so they're like, what about the people in the bunker? And she's like, oh, I don't know. They're still hecking in there, fam. <laughs> like, I, we don't know what to do about that. Bellamy's going to have to worry about that one later. Yeah. And so they're still doing the shock collar stuff. And he's like, don't put your fingers there because you can burn your fingers. And all the inmates are laughing because they're terrible humans. Yeah, they're not um, real winners. Shaw is trying to stop them. And that's when the rover comes up. And Clark's like, Maddie, you freaking moron. But also, what else did Clark expect from the child from hell? True. <laughs> I mean, really. And so Bellamy's like, listen, Maddie, I will save Clark. You're going to go back and it'll be fine. And so there are 283 reasons for them to let Clark go. And so he's threatening them with the mug and it's dope. Can we talk about how Bellamy knew even then that if he let anything happen to Maddie, Clark was probably going to have his head? Oh, fully. And also, yeah. you know, Bellamy wasn't going to let anything happen to Maddie because he like loves people who remind him of Octavia. <laughs> Bellamy, Bellamy meets that kid and he's like, I have imprinted on you <laughs> and you are mine now. You are my favorite person from now on. I am your biggest fan. Yeah. You are a murder child. That speaks to me. So the rover gets the heck out of there. And she's saying, wow, 283 lives for one life. She must be really important to you. And and he says, she is. Did you cry? Uh, I didn't cry, but I thought it was great. It's such a great moment. 
because I love that Clark's crying for like a lot of reasons. Uh-huh. And like she's in pain. She was so freaking afraid that Maddie was about to be hurt. She's yeah. so scared that like Maddie's gonna die. Mm-hmm. And then boom, it's Bellamy. Heckin Bellamy. That is like so unfair to Clark's emotions. Yeah. Someone give her a break. She, actually, she's had a six-year break. She's okay. Yeah, true. She's due to be back to the shenanigans. But uh, yeah, I, I really like the way they did this where like, it wasn't like Clark like coming across Bellamy and being like, oh, holy crap. It was like Bellamy gets to know via the thing that Clark loves most. And then he protects the thing that Clark loves most and then goes to save her life. Uh-huh. I think that's really cool. Okay, so now it's time for our segment. So my first segment is called the Post-Apocalyptic Sasswatch, which is also our favorite line award. And mine goes to Murphy for... Don't worry about more than one thing at a time. It's called multitasking. Okay, tag yourself. I'm Murphy. He's such a little brat. I love him. That is the perfect way to describe yeah. Murphy. He's just a brat. Yeah. And mine obviously goes to um, Clark for... Start with how the world ended. So good. And my first segment is called CGSW, the Clark Griffin shower watch. I feel that Clark had bathed. Yeah. Maybe not since yeah. last uh, last time we saw her. Yeah. But. Yeah, I mean. She's not super dirty. She's de- yeah. yeah she's, and she's, and her hair is still pink. Yeah. So. Sure. I'm going to call I'm gonna call it a win. And my other segment is called the most valuable protagonist award. So this week's MVP is Raven. Woohoo! Yay! Oh, but like Loki and Mori too? Yeah, and Loki Echo? You know what? The ladies of Space Crew. Harper's in there too. Yep. Why not? And my second segment is called Marcus Kane Beard Appreciation. And per one of our amazing listeners, Michelle, who is Lit Lady Loves HP on Twitter, since Marcus Kane was not in this episode, we are going to do a special edition where it's the Bellamy Blake Beard oh, Appreciation. Oh, I love it. Good beard. Good, Good beard. beard for Good sure. Good beard. Um, Great beard. Heroic beard. <laughs> How many episodes since the last murder? Rats. There was another murder today. <laughs> it's been zero days since our last Every murder. Every time there's murder. <laughs> Shoot. Do you think that each murder should set the count like back into the negatives? Oh, I don't know if we can count it. <laughs> last episode would have taken us back 19. Ni- 19 plus. And now we're back another four. Oof. Well, Ooh, another four, two. Um, nope. Another no, two. No, be two and then um, Kodiak. Right? So that's three. That's three. Yeah. I can count. Now it's time for our trailer reaction. All right. Ready? Trailer reactions in three, two, one, play. play. Only the guilty should fight in the Okay, arena. back in the bunker. That's a dirty arena. There's Kane with the shield. Shout out to Anthony. Kane with his head in his hands, not great. Abby crying, not Abby great. Cries. Oh, I can't do it more murder? Oh no! Yo, there's a lot going on in this trailer for it being very short, and there being a lot of stock shots of the ring. <laughs> Brittany, tell everyone what the most exciting thing about next week's episode is. Um, it's Cabby centric. No, I don't know what it is. Think harder. Uh, Kane has a shield. No, you're garbage. Well, hang on. Is it in the trailer? No. Well, what the hell? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you piece of crap. The most important part of next week's episode is that we get to watch it together. Yay, in Vancouver. 
Which means that uh, Robin will get to watch me lose my crap over this obvious cabbie-centric I'm episode. I'm so excited. Yo, it's going to be um, an experience because Kane fighting in the ring, that's, uh, and Abby sobbing, those things are very correlated. Yeah. Okay, yeah. let's go frame by frame. Uh-huh. Okay, blood on the floor. Kane's janitor mind is like, yikes. Okay, there's a grounder who's hitting Kane. Not nice. Um, He's everyone's dad. Call out post, Anthony shaded me today on Twitter by uh, saying, are we going frame by frame now? When I tweeted him about him sneaking another shield in, I just want to say for the record, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. There's a lot of, did, Yo, um, was there always fencing in the rotunda? Yeah. There was? Okay. Well, no, not, not originally, but there, uh, in the six years forward, there was. Okay. One. Okay. Where did you um, get the that? thing that I find interesting about Kane versus this woman is that her build, height, and mm. hairstyle and color all look like Abby. Yeah. So then Abby is in like this locker room type of place being sad inside. That's fully Kane. Wait, what? That's Kane in the locker room. He's got the half up pony. That's why I thought it was Abby, because he had a ponytail. He, he, he adopted her old hairstyle, ah! and she got a new one. <laughs> Lol, oops, fam. Dummy. No, okay. that's I, I'm guessing this is Kane contemplating that he's about to go kill people yeah. for, like, the first time in actual years. And here's Abby being pupset about that, question mark, or something. There's a lot of rotunda I mean, B-roll. That girl, the girl who hit Kane before, is now dying. And then Kane's saying, I can't do this anymore to Abby. And I'm like, great, I can't do this anymore either. I'm going to go cry. I'm going to die inside. Thanks so much. Um, remember that when Abby said to Kane, I can't do this again? Yes, I remember. That that level of crying. Now we have Octavia. Octavia oh, okay. forgot to put blush on, and I think she overcompensated by putting all of it on her head. <laughs> um, okay, lots Kane of fighting. some major Why dirt. is Octavia in the ring? Um, notice though, when Octavia's in the ring that whoever she's attacking, um, must be kneeling because the guy, uh, oh. next to her is kneeling in sort of reverence too. So is so that an execution? The ring. It's definitely an execution. Oof. Yikes. So, oh boy, it's going to be a rough one, fam. Mm -hmm. uh, All right. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Um, if you could leave us a review on iTunes, we would actually super like that on account of um, we would like to get rated on iTunes. <laughs> That's it. That's why. That's, That's uh, our whole motivation. Please. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we like to talk about that show too. We, at least I just watched the penultimate episode of this season. Brittany's about to watch it as soon as we're done recording. It was nuts. I cried. Holy crap. And we are excited to upload that podcast for you soon. Um, you cry at almost every episode of Riverdale. I don't know if that's true. You cry at a lot of them. I went to school for crying. Sure, Jen. Yeah. If you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. Robin's a minor fan of that television program. Very minor. I do not have a tattoo on my person. No, definitely not. No, just minor. A minor. So yeah. Also, also minor. My. Can I make a mining pun? Ah, no. Forget it. Ignore. Keep keep going. <laughs> I think we should leave the best mining joke of all time to Galaxy Quest. Keep going. Go ahead. <laughs> You can follow at the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, mostly Twitter, but we will be together next week. And so we're going to be posting on our Instagram. So you can follow us at the Aficionados over there. And also Robin posted her first YouTube video. 
I posted my second YouTube video, my friend. Also, Robin posted her second YouTube video. Yes, it is me recreating some of uh, Britney's Instagrams. It's like, you know, one of those trends on YouTube. And I challenged her to do the same. So we'll see how that goes. I know. It's going to be so hard. Did you watch it? No, I haven't watched it yet because I've been saving it because I thought maybe I could record my reaction. Yes, and we can. Wa- I want to be there. You should oh, wait yeah, till okay, Monday. I'll save it. I'll, okay, okay, I'll, I'll okay. save it. We'll okay, 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 okay. Um, <clears throat> our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. Um, if you're interested in donating and helping us run this wild thing that we've created, uh, we would really appreciate it. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And I also run an account called At The Hundred Script. Um, and we are currently in the middle of season three doing Fallen, the episode called Fallen. And we have fun over there. I also like the weird things that people quote tweet the out of context Dude, quotes with. it's so funny because I read all of them. People don't realize that I read them Oh, all. I know. And it's like, really it's funny. Fun- the cabbie fandom especially will take anything and make it weirdly sexual. Yep. And I'm like, guys, Robin's the one reading this. <laughs> like, every time I read it, I cringe. And then I'm like, I don't know if she finds this funny or not, but I can't stop them. <laughs> well, that's the funny is like, if the line is, stop it, then someone will be like, me at Bellamy win this. Or, and then the next person will be like, me at Murphy win this. And the next person will be like, me at Jaha win this. Like, it's literally the same <laughs> thing. And it's hilarious. You should retweet like the best ones. Yeah, maybe sometimes. Sure. Yeah. They'll be hard to find, though. Good point. And my Twitter is Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And our next episode is 504, Pandora's Box. We'll be recording together, so it's very exciting. Um, if you're not familiar, Pandora's Box is an artifact in Greek mythology connected with the myth of Pandora. And basically what happens is, like, there's a jar or a box that just has all of the... Um, it basically has like all of the evils and oh, good yeah. things in the world and then it like opens and then that's where all the bad things and good things have come from. But there's a final thing that comes out of Pandora's box if you look inside it. It is hope. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was like guessing and I was like, I hope I don't get this wrong. I'm pretty sure I know I, what it is, but I don't know for sure. I can't believe you got it. I'm really proud of you right now. <laughs> I was like, I've heard the story before. Ooh, yikes. Okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye. Woo!